1: Welcome to the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com, your daily morning podcast, updating you on everything you need to know to win your fantasy baseball league. Here's your host,
2: Chad Young. Hello and welcome to the First Pitch Podcast. As the man said, my name is Chad Young, filling in on this fine Thursday morning for Scott Chu. As a reminder, you can find me on Twitter at Chad Young. Let's get to Wednesday's news. The Phillies called up Christopher Sanchez to start against the Reds, and Sanchez pitched quite well, striking out seven while allowing three runs and six hits over six innings pitched, got a quality start and a win. He had just eight whiffs and 83 pitches and a 27% CSW, but he was effective enough. Sanchez was up just to give the Phillies regulars a little extra rest, so I don't expect him to be around much longer, and if he is, I wouldn't be making a gamble on him. Josiah Gray, meanwhile, will also get extra rest. Nationals announced his next start will be skipped. Watch for news like this with other young pitchers, especially those not in pennant races. Nick Lodolo, Ron Contreras, Edward Cabrera, Reed Detmers, and others may get some extra rest to keep their arms healthy. Devin Smeltzer back with the Twins, this time in the bullpen, replacing Cole Sands, who was placed on the IL Wednesday. Smeltzer had just been optioned a couple days ago after a three-inning relief appearance. Wednesday, he threw two innings in relief, walking two and striking out one left to see if he sticks this time. Milwaukee activated Adrian Hauser off the IL for his first start since June 30th. Didn't really make it too easy on him, handing him the ball in Dodger Stadium. He lasted just two and a third, giving up five runs on five hits with four walks and four strikeouts. Hauser's velocity is down, and even when he isn't facing the Dodgers, he just isn't a guy you want in your fantasy rotation. Cubs made a flurry of moves with their arms. They transferred Kyle Hendricks to the 60 DIL, optioned Anderson Espinoza to the minors, made three other moves, including calling up Luke Farrell to make his first start of the year and just the sixth of his career dating back to 2017. Farrell pitched decently. He lasted only four and a third innings, giving up six hits, but held the Cardinals to one run, struck out three and walked one. Just five whiffs, 28% CSW. Not like he set the world on fire, but this was without a doubt the best start of his career and it's always good to see someone like this have some success. The Reds activated Brian Bayo off the IL, optioning Josh Winkowski to make room, and Bayo finally flashed the talent we've been waiting on, holding the powerful Blue Jays to two runs on six hits and a walk over five innings. He struck out seven. He was cut off at 65 pitches but still managed 13 whiffs. He had a 34% CSW, showed a nice uptick in slider velocity, although it was his changeup with 7 whiffs and a 50% CSW that did the heavy lifting Wednesday. Bayo should be up again Monday against Minnesota. Given how that team is scuffling, he could be worth a look. Brandon Belt placed on the 10-day IL due to discomfort in his knee. Belt has been one of the better hitters in the game for a while now. But this year's been ugly, and at 34 years old, he now has chronic knee pain, and that is not a good thing. With the Giants' five and a half games out of the wild card, Belt either needs to return soon or there's a chance he gets shut down for the year. He acknowledged Wednesday he needs to at least start thinking about what could be next. Does this mean the end is near? Belt is one of my favorite hitters to watch. I really hope he is not done. But if he is, it has been a great and honestly underrated career. Outfielder Bryce Johnson was recalled to replace Belt on the roster. Speaking of older players who may be nearing the end, Zach Grinky placed on the IL Wednesday. Grinky pulled early Sunday with right forearm tightness. Never a thing you want to hear about a starting pitcher. Grinky wasn't a big fantasy play this year. He has an ERA over four, a strikeout per nine under six. That just doesn't fly in our game. But he was very useful for the Royals. Josh Stallmont also at the IL for the Royals. Jackson Coar supposed to start Saturday, which would put five men back in the Royals rotation. Estevan Florial sent back to AAA, having appeared in just four games and getting 10 plate appearances in his latest taste of MLB. In those 10 plate appearances, he had a hit, zero walks, and four strikeouts. Not a great sign. He also didn't have an exit velocity over 87.4 miles per hour in any of those at-bats. I am not a big fan of Floreal. I do think he can carve out a role in Major League Baseball, but his fantasy value will be tied up in stolen bases, and I'm not sure he'll be on base enough to make that matter. Javier Baez scratched from the Tigers lineup with back spasms, and Juan Soto missed his second straight day due to his back. Both teams off today, so look for them to return Friday. Some upcoming moves, the Yankees will get Giancarlo Stanton back today, and you'll want to get his thunder back in your lineups. Ryan Helsley should be back from the restricted list Friday, and Jace Peterson likely to be activated Friday as well. Clay Holmes should be back soon for the Yankees, but that would be on Monday, not before. The big upcoming move, though, is in the nation's capital, where Cade Cavalli will make his major league debut Friday against the Reds. His AAA line looks pretty uninspiring, 3.71 ERA, 3.23 FIP, less than eight strikeouts per nine, and a strikeout to walk ratio of less than two. But since May 22nd, he's shown real progress with a 2.10 ERA, 2.93 FIP. He's striking out more than 10 batters per nine and walking just over three per nine in that stretch. That is far more intriguing and I think speaks more accurately to his talent. I'm always hesitant to start guys in their debuts, but the Reds are a very nice matchup. And I would definitely be ready with Fab Dollars this weekend, depending on how he looks on Friday. On to the action on the field on Wednesday. Jose Ramirez had been merely very good for a while now, but Wednesday he smoked a couple home runs, going three for three, walking once for good measure, scored twice, and drove in three. I've said it before, I'll say it again, he can carry a fantasy team for weeks on end, and I wouldn't be surprised if he goes on a tear soon. Everyone in the Atlanta lineup did big things Wednesday, but Matt Olson was the biggest, going three for five, the home run, two doubles, two runs, four RBI. Olsen's 2022 hasn't really lived up to his standards, but his projections for the rest of the season still see him improving, and I'm very happy to have him in my lineups where I do. Olson wasn't the only first baseman to have a big day while his team scored in the mid-teens. Nate Lowe put up a three for six night with a home run, a triple. He scored three, drove in five. I think he is still somewhat overlooked and a very solid fantasy contributor. He seems to be getting better. Gavin Sheets doesn't play a ton. He has just 62 plate appearances since the All-Star break, but he also has a 135 WRC plus in that stretch. And that was before he went three for five with three RBIs on Wednesday. When he starts, he is worth playing, but you need to be in a league that has deep enough rosters to justify a guy playing as rarely as he does. Weird stuff in Boston as Poppy Dahlbeck played shortstop. And while it seems like fantasy manager Catnip, he was 0-3 for 3 with a walk and two strikeouts. And he just isn't hitting well enough to be useful in fantasy. Even if you play in a league where he's now shortstop eligible, don't be fooled. Willie Adamas, He he tried. He had a first inning home run. He added two more hits, including a double. He scored twice and drove in three. Even drew a walk, but the Brewers got lit up by the Dodgers anyway. Looking at other home runs around the game, William Contreras hit his 17th. Kevin Newman got his first of the year, as did Charlie Culberson. Nick Fortes hit his 7th. Oscar Gonzalez his 5th. He's elevating the ball better these days. Julio Rodriguez smacked his 20th. Ildemaro Vargas got his third. JT Realmuto hit number 14. Stuart Fairchild got his second. Kyle Farmer hit his seventh. Austin Hayes hit his 14th. Mike Trout got number 26. Franchi Cordero heating up since his latest call-up has six now. Zach McKinstry hit his second. Lars Newtbar his eighth. Dalton Varsho got his 17th. Christian Walker got to that 30 plateau. Bobby Witt Jr. hit number 18. Jose Altuve hit his 21st. Hunter Renfro his 23rd. And Austin Barnes got his sixth. As for stolen bases, Robbie Grossman stole number four. Mike Gostromsky stole his fifth. Peyton Burdick nabbed his first, though he also struck out thrice in this one. Josh Naylor stole his fifth. Dylan Moore swiped his 15th. Jose Siri stole his 10th. Michael Taylor got a second. And Kyle Isbell stole his eighth. Looking at the starters on Wednesday, George Kirby set a record starting his day off with 24 consecutive strikes, and he never looked back. Holding the Nats to a run on eight hits, zero walks. Over seven innings pitched, striking out nine. The man is a command machine. He has Detroit coming up next. That is a very nice matchup. Kyle Wright looked like the ace we saw in April, going seven shutout, allowing two hits and a walk while striking out eight. But he was facing the Pirates. His velocity was up, and if that sticks, well, maybe September looks more like April. Matt Manning did the thing, going six shutout against the Giants, striking out eight without issuing a walk, allowing just five hits. His slider did work in this one, but if you check out the SP Roundup today, you'll see Nick Pollock has some concerns about the pitch, and well, now I do too. I'm just going to keep watching before I'm biting. After getting beat up by the D-backs, it seemed like Logan Webb would bounce back nicely against the Tigers. Instead, he was worse, giving up six runs on five hits with three walks, over four and two-thirds. The six strikeouts are nice, but what is up with this? I still trust Webb. I'll still run him out there, but I am getting a little worried here, Logan. On the other hand, I didn't trust Martin Perez in Colorado, and really, why should I? But he went six shutouts, seven strikeouts, one walk, four hits. The man is magic, I swear. Cole Irvin delivered the goods for Oakland, shutting out Miami over seven with 11 strikeouts and zero walks, allowing just three hits. He had 25 whiffs and a 40% CSW, Irvin going heavy with the heater and relying on pinpoint command, not really a recipe for sustained success, but... I would start him against the Nationals on Tuesday. Jesus Lizardo wasn't as good, but seven innings of two-run ball against his old mates in Oakland, despite continued velocity concerns, is still pretty good. He's continuing to find success with the curve and the change, and if that velo comes back, well, he's already a viable fantasy option, and that would just give him more ceiling. Cal Quantrill back in San Diego, pitched seven shutout, giving up just five hits and a walk with six strikeouts. He also had only eight whiffs in 99 pitches and a 24% CSW. There are a lot of doubters because of his peripherals, but he has now thrown 307 in a third innings since coming to Cleveland. He has a 3.24 ERA and a 4.22 FIP. Since he moved to the rotation full-time, he's thrown 259 innings with a 3.32 ERA and a 4.27 FIP, and he seems to be one of those guys who's just more than the sum of his parts. And while he is risky, he's given up four-plus runs in about half of his last nine or ten starts, the overall picture is still impressively solid. Blake Snell got thrust into an unexpected start with just about a day's notice as Hugh Darvish went on the paternity list, and maybe he was out of sync as a result. Six earned runs, including three home runs over three and a third. He avoided walks. He just looked really hittable. I kind of want to give him a pass, and if you're looking for pitching via trade, I still think he's a good target. It wasn't ace-like, but Lucas Giolito gave up just one run over six and a third, allowing four hits, two walks, and three strikeouts. He is not dominating, but he also gets KC in his next start, and you could do worse than giving him a shot. Shane McClanahan was ace-like, going a stellar six shutout against the Angels. Four hits and a walk, struck out nine. This game turned out to actually be pretty close as Mike Mayer is going opposite him, who seemed like he should be overmatched, pitched well. Not well enough that I'd want to buy in, especially with the Yankees up next for him, but That's surprising and at least a little bit interesting. Jose Barrios went six innings pitch, allowing the Red Sox to score just twice on five hits and a walk. He struck out six. He's up and down. Maybe he's rolling now. I don't really know. If he's on my roster, if he's on your roster, you got to start him against the Cubs next time out, but he's not on any of my rosters, and I'm fine with that. Zach Gallen got the Royals, which meant Brady Singer got the D-backs, and that was good for both of them. Gallen six shutout, allowing three hits and striking out six, although he did walk three. Singer went seven, giving up a run on four hits with six Ks and no walks. Gallen, I still trust him in all starts against all comers. Singer, getting closer, but he's still a matchup play for me. Framber Valdez, another seven innings of one run ball versus the Twins, gave up just two hits but allowed four walks versus eight Ks. Despite all his walks, still an ace in my book. Final starting pitcher of the night was Andrew Haney. He gave up that first inning home run to Willie Adamas and then settled in. Six innings, two runs, four hits, 10 strikeouts, and just one walk. Plus, he crossed 90 pitches, suggesting the Dodgers may be letting him run a little deeper. If he can stay healthy, he looks great. Close out our look at Wednesday with a run through some bullpen news. With Oakland up 2 nothing, Zach Jackson gave up a run in the 8th and Danny Jimenez blew the save in the ninth. That set up A.J. Puck to get the win in the 10th as Oakland walked it off, off of Richard Blyer and the fish. Paul Sewell took the loss, giving up two runs in the ninth inning of a tie game. That was after Carl Edwards Jr. blew a save for the Nats in the 8th. Kyle Finnegan finished the 8th for Edwards and then closed it out in the ninth for the win. That, by the way, was all made possible by Annabelle Sanchez, pitching surprisingly well for four and a third innings in his start against Seattle. David Robertson, the last man standing in the Phillies pen, he got his 18th save with a strikeout and a walk against Cincinnati. Liam Hendricks gave up a couple runs in the ninth, but he was up 5-1, so he still held on to the game. That wasn't a save situation, so no save, and the line pretty ugly. Sort of unfortunate for those with Hendricks on their roster. The Jays and Red Sox pens traded zeros for a while. Unfortunately for Boston, they needed at least one more zero. They didn't get it. Ryan Brazier let the Ghost Runner score in the 10th. That got the win for Toronto. Jordan Romano followed Brazier and got his 27th save for the Jays. With that, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about today.
1: Hey, Alex Fast here. And thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription where you're gonna- to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff, plus you can hang out with our incredible Pitcherless community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at pitcherless.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code
2: Alright, welcome back. Let's take a quick look at today's weather with our friend Mark Paquette. Thank you very much. Well, today is a short slate like most Thursdays are, but it's not as small as a lot of Thursdays. I'm just talking to fill some space because we have no weather issues. So even though it's a small slate, there won't be any weather issues. You don't have to worry about postponements or delays. So play away with everyone. Have a good one. Talk to you later. Thanks, Mark. If you're looking for someone to stream on Thursday, not a lot of great options. And I'm going to get a little bit risky here. And I'm going to say to take a shot at Marco Gonzalez. Rarely exciting, but he has been known to have some good starts. And the Guardians are traveling. They have to play an afternoon game after getting into Seattle. Whenever it is they got into Seattle, they're in the middle of a West Coast swing. They're rolling right now, but I don't mind taking a shot here if you need something. As for where I think hitters will have a good day, the Cubs should be able to get to Dakota Hudson and the Phillies will very likely pound Justin Dunn. Finally, if you're looking for something to watch, well, it shouldn't be that hard to find something. DeGrom is pitching. Gaussman is pitching. Tristan McKenzie is going. Aaron Nola is pitching Sandoval versus Rasmussen. There's lots of great stuff to check out on Thursday. So settle in for a good day of baseball. But before you do that, head over to Pitcher List to read the SP Roundup, batter's box, and reliever ranks. Get a deeper dive on all that happened yesterday and all that is coming up today. With that, I'll leave you to enjoy some baseball. And I'll be back with you tomorrow.